Welcome to the Tummy Team Journey Podcast. I'm Kelly Dean, physical therapist and founder of the Tummy Team. This podcast shares the personal journeys of Tummy Team clients as they restore their core and pursue being strong to be pain-free and connected for the life they were meant to live. This is Kelly Dean. Welcome to the Tummy Team Journey podcast. We have a great interview today um, with one of our online clients, Heather, and she has a story that we haven't told yet. She has a story about recovering from a tummy tuck and using core foundations as a way to restore her core after that kind of surgery. And it can be, we were talking before we started, that this can be a really taboo subject. And we don't want it to be. We want to talk about all the things that are out there in everybody's story. So thank you for joining us, Heather. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Wow. Well, where do we, where do we start? <laughs> I am 48 years old and have two grown children. Um, my youngest is 20, about to turn 21. And my oldest is 22. So getting ready to turn 23. Wow. That's, I, I have some adult children and, or one adult child and a 17 year old and a 13 year old. And, um, parenting adults is, is, uh, interesting because we're not really parenting, but we're still a parent. So we are. Yeah. And with the whole COVID situation, you know, these two kids, I'm using air quotes, we're getting uh-huh. ready to move out. And, um, when jobs started shutting down and whatnot, um, they are still home. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, and you're and you're a teacher, right? So you have been working online this whole time. I have been, yes, that is correct. So I teach kindergarten and which is why so many things you talked about in your video series. Although I don't have tiny children at home, obviously they're grown. Um I, I have been in that position at one time, but I still work with really tiny humans and yes. I'm constantly in that position when I, when we get to actually teach face to face, you're constantly in that position of looking down and, and, you know, bending over and to, to meet yeah. the needs of these, these little people. And um, yeah. So even yeah. though I don't have children or didn't just have a baby, I'm, I'm certainly not postpartum. I, um, right. I felt like a lot of the, a lot of the topics you hit were very relevant for my life. Right. Cool. So, um, Tell tell us a little bit about your tummy journey, kind of what you your you know you shared with me such a great testimony um, via email about what plagued your stomach since you had your kids, kind of all for for about twenty years. Tell me about that. Yeah, it was a twenty year journey of you know having babies, and your body definitely changes, and I. I never bounced back. I I never was a super fit person to begin with, but I wasn't an overweight person, not significantly overweight anyway. Um, Just having babies caused a lot of disrupt to my body. And I didn't really know. I didn't know what was happening. It was kind of one of those situations where in listening to your educational videos, (laughs) I would remember a moment, a moment sitting in that six week um, appointment, you know, the one six weeks after you have your baby, you go and they check you up and mm-hmm. um, check out your baby and all of that stuff. And I remember my midwife saying, Oh, you've got some, t- some muscle separation or a little separation, but I didn't have a clue what she was talking about. I was young and, you know, just dealing with just having a baby with this tiny newborn who was born very early. And so there was just so much going on. And I remember just thinking, well, you know, what do I do about that? And asking her and she, her response to me was hit the gym next time, honey. And I remember just sinking because I, at this point, you know, I'm six weeks postpartum, I felt gross. I just, I felt like I was oozing everywhere. And because quite frankly, I kind of was, (laughs) I felt like someone had just unzipped me from the breastbone down. And I felt like my guts were hanging out of my body because literally they kind of were. And, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to fix it. And And was this after baby number one? 
this was after baby number one. Mm-hmm. And um, again, he was actually quite early. I went into labor with him at week 21. So oh I kind of lived in the hospital, in and out of the hospital, um, a lot of bed rest from week 21 on. I was just on bed rest. So and how long, how long were you able to hold labor off before you delivered? Um, the second I hit week 33, they said it's time. So I, it really wasn't a choice for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So there was, there was just a lot going on with that pregnancy, but even during that pregnancy, I remember very vivid moments of excruciating pain in, in the abdominal area and addressing that with my doctor, not just with my midwife, but with my OB. And it was just kind of a, Oh yeah. That's just what happens. It's just tendons or whatever, you know, they yeah. gave me their spiel. And um, sorry, these kittens are tearing through the room. Can you hear them? Oh, yeah, see, is that she's got little cats in the background that are flying around in the background. It's They're hilarious. really, really wound up. And ironically, I'm home all alone. So <laughs> it's funny. Quiet not, not a problem. Not a problem. They are... Um, very active kittens. So there we go. Anyway. So, so then, um, so that was kind of a scary traumatic birth and a hard birth recovery because when you're on bed rest for that long, you, your muscles atrophy and you're in a a heightened sense of cortisol, a heightened sense of stress all the time, right? Cause you're scared. You're scared the whole time that something bad's going to happen. And then you probably had to live in NICU for a while because you had such a preemie. Yeah, um, I, to, I did not. That was, the, <laughs> he, he, he came out super tiny and he was just at the four pound mark, but because I'd been on bed rest so long, they had been pumping me full of all this stuff. Know, the, the lung prep stuff mm-hmm. for the baby. So he came out and, and we did have to stay at the hospital for a little bit, but he didn't, we weren't rushed to Portland or anything like that. So that was the good part of the story, but um, it was a traumatic experience to say the least. So yeah. How was, how was your second pregnancy? Um, Second pregnancy was very typical. And, but because of pregnancy number one, I kind of lived on that, that plane of being completely paranoid at all times. And, um, very tense the entire time. And I, I, I went to full term with that one and it just night and day difference experience of going into labor on my own and, um, you know, being up walking around 45 minutes after giving birth and having this baby that just latched right on compared to, you know, having to deal with the preemie feeders and the breast pumps and all of the stuff that I did the first time around, just everything about these kids from the start has been completely different. So right down to the labor and delivery. Right. And, and, but, but you still have two kids after that. Right. And that's always, Harder than one kid. Um, (laughs) And not even two years apart. So, yeah, I can remember sitting in my um, rocking chair, my nursing chair, and nursing this tiny baby and having a toddler just running around the dining room table, just running laps. (laughs) Yep. Totally outnumbered. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Just doing the next thing. Um, And so, so your tummy, Mm -hmm. you know, the second baby tummy still not not feeling great and and that kind of per, you know continued for years is that right continued for years um in two th- i had my second child my last child in 2000 april of 2000 and um basically in 2002 i guess late 2001 i decided it was it was time for me to lose my baby weight and went on a weight loss journey which was very successful i lost 80 pounds and hit my goal weight in 2002. I don't remember what month. It doesn't really matter, but I've kept that off all of this time. And so to hear from doctors that, oh, well, you'll lose weight and that that tummy will bounce back. And well, it didn't. As a matter of fact, weight loss made it worse. And, you know, to hear that, oh, you just went a little bit harder at the gym. It it in that area, right? Because you lost oh. all the weight around it. And now it's all in your, your tummy. Did you yeah. do 
did you do a lot of traditional ab work on that journey, like trying to lose your tummy, all the things we do, the crunches? Back in the day, we're talking 2002. So you have your your DVD player and you pop in your your walk at home DVDs or, or whatever, and you just progressively get stronger and start working into more complicated exercises. And there were a lot of crunches, a lot of I was really focusing on my abs and for, for all of the obvious reasons, I wanted this tummy to not look pregnant. Mm-hmm. Six to eight months pregnant at all times. So it didn't matter if I sucked it in or wrapped myself up with binders or what I did, I just looked pregnant and it didn't match the rest of my body. It was very strange. And at the same time, nobody ever stepped in and said, oh, <laughs> it's probably because your muscles are separated and your guts are trying to squirt out of your body. Nobody ever said anything. And I had been you know, to multiple doctors over time. You know, we, we, my children were born in Oregon and we just lived in this tiny little town and had a tiny little um, medical clinic. As a, as a family practice, that's where we would go for, you know, if you had a cold or a sinus infection or, or whatever. But I lived close enough to Salem where my OB clinic was in Salem. So it's not like we were out in, in the backwoods and had nothing. I, I had quality doctors and quality care. It's just, I don't think this is on the radar. So it's so, it's so not on the radar. Pointing it, it is that it's disappointing to hear that you just need to work harder. That is trauma. Who's who's already working really hard? I mean, yeah, for someone who's lost eighty pounds and is clearly keeping it off and is working out. So, you know, I worked out. I just over the years, as my kids got a little bit older, and you know, they were hitting that. 10, 11, 12 year old range, I could start to go out for walks by myself and not have to tote kids with me. Most of the time they would tag along on their bikes anyway, but I felt like, um, you know, I could hire the the neighborhood girl across the street to babysit for 30 minutes while I went for a walk that turned into running. I ended up literally running full marathons. I just really took a liking to running. It was a great mental clarity for me. (laughs) It was it was, um, you've said in your videos before, it can be a little bit addictive. And I definitely fell into that, that trap. But for me, I still just have such a positive, positive view of it. I, I adore running and, um, but it really helped me. And to know that I was going, I'm not going to say to those extremes, because that makes it sound negative, but, you know, to go that far. And to look back at those marathon, a marathon runner, and they're telling you to work harder, work harder, Heather. You know, a hundred more miles. You lost Eighty pounds, and you're a marathon runner. And they're saying wow. we're harder. Did you, with that separation, knowing what you know now, we're not going to jump too far ahead. Did you have any of the other functional core weakness symptoms like low back pain or instability or um, digestive issues or pelvic floor issues? All of the above. Check, check, check them off the list. I had them all, and over time, they they just got worse. Um, to the point, and I think I'm, I don't remember if I mentioned this to you in my letter that I wrote or not, but it, it got to the point where I was leaking urine all the time. So I was constantly having to wear liners. And to top it off, I'm a teacher, so I never get to pee. Like, I never have five seconds to go to the bathroom. And that was just making the situation worse. a million times worse. Yeah. And I realized like, oh, this is happening all the time. This is no longer just when I cough or just when I sneeze or, um, yeah. When I bend over, when I bend over for this kid, I leak or I step off the step, I leak. Yeah. yeah, It's just, oh, you know, I'm breathing and I think I just leak. It's just like, that is insane to me. So I mention any of those symptoms to your doctor and were those blown off as well? Or did you think, oh, this is just what happens and I'm, you know, whatever. It was kind of a combination of both because my mom and her mother both had this issue. I mean, my grandmother to the point where she, her bladder prolapsed and had to wear some kind of device. I, I, I don't know all of the details to that, but um, I just thought, oh, this is part of getting older. But at this point I was, you know, in my mid forties and sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, my, so my parents are, 
are um, very elderly. There, my dad is about to turn ninety. My mom is not far behind him. Sorry, mom and dad, for mentioning your age online. <laughs> I know they're not going to be happy about that, but that's okay. Um, forever young, right? But if I follow in their footsteps and live until I'm 90 or above, I do not want to pee my pants for, for you know, the next 40 years. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. No kidding. That's not, that's not the, the extended life plan we're looking for. No. So I definitely had the bladder issues. Um, there were, there were digestion issues as well, but I have celiac disease. So that played a huge part. So over the years I have seen not only, you know, multiple gynecologists because we've moved across the country. We moved from Oregon to Ohio, back to Washington. We've been kind of everywhere. All of the doctors were telling me the same thing from gastro doctors to OBs, family practitioners. Oh, you just need to work harder. Oh, Heather, you just need to eat more fiber. Oh my gosh, I eat more fiber than anybody I know. So to tell someone that and to, you know, and because I had been on such a a huge weight loss journey, you know, according to me, (laughs) it was very successful. And that was a lot of work. I had literally years worth of food journals to hand over. Where am I going to fit more fiber into this diet? Something is not right. Something is not, I should not have pain in my pelvic region all the time. And I was just in pain all the time. So that was also very traumatizing. And and just to be told, um, oh, it's just IBS. Well, maybe it is, or or maybe it's something different. And it was, um, I met a new gynecologist when we lived in Ohio. Bless her heart. I do not remember her name, but she was amazing. She had a very frank conversation with me. I remember her saying, I'm going to take my doctor hat off and I'm going to put on my sister hat. And she <laughs> said, my sister was just diagnosed with celiac disease and your symptoms sound exactly like what she has suffered through for years and years. So I made an appointment with a gastro doctor and he said, that's not what it is. Your blood work is fine. Nothing is wrong with you. And this is after, um, oh, how do I word it nicely? Multiple scopes Oh yes, <laughs> where they scope you. So I'm yes. just thinking, oh my goodness, you're sitting here telling me that during this scope, your scope or camera or whatever it was, hit my intestinal wall and it started to bleed. So, but nothing's wrong. That, that can't be, it just can't be something, something is not right. And I don't know what it is. I'm not a doctor, but Mm -hmm. I know my body. And I know that 20 years ago, I didn't feel this awful. And now I feel terrible. And there just was so much. So the, the bladder leakage, the, the tummy issues. And as time went on, I started um, leaking gas as well, just very spontaneously. I would laugh or move or, and it was embarrassing and and it didn't happen before. And my, I would talk to my mom about it and she would just say, oh, that's just part of aging. You're getting old and you're pushing 50. And, you know, at the time I really wasn't pushing 50, but you know, now I am. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah. So there were that's a lot of red flags. Yeah. And and so so what what led you uh what made you decide to go the plastic surgery route? So I again it, this is a 20 year journey of me sure. being very unhappy with a stomach that was sagging down to the point where you can't see any private parts like you can't see the bikini area at all because I had so much skin. I was having to tuck my tummy into my pants just to get dressed in the morning and and having to buy pants that were a size or two larger than what I thought I should probably be wearing. So my pants never fit my hips. I looked like I just was wearing somebody else's clothes all the time. Therefore I would opt for leggings under, under dresses if I could get away with it, things like that, just to compress that tummy skin. Otherwise I just felt like it was flapping around and it was uncomfortable for years, I had been getting um, these terrible rashes and skin infections under that tummy. Because it kind of looks like a layer almost, a flap. It was, yeah. And you know, especially it was getting worse at the more I would start running and get into a fitness routine. Yeah. I noticed it happened 
a salty yeah. sweater and that would, you know, the salt from my sweat would irritate the skin even. It just was a whole thing. And at one point going to the doctor for this thing, you know, what, what is the solution to this? And the, the doctor's solution was, he said, well, you just need to go to the store and buy some monostat cream. And because that's a yeast, infu- yeast infection under that, under that skin. So that's what I did. And over time, just thinking, I do not, same like with the urine leakage, I do not want to do this until I'm 89 years old. Yeah. I, I don't want to always go, um, you know, on a family vacation and never go to the beach because I'm so embarrassed of, of this tummy or, you know, I'm the mom on the beach wearing the biggest floppiest swim skirt that you can see, which is uncomfortable. And also it pulls down when you're in the ocean and it's just not a good, (laughs) it's just not a good thing. And I want to be comfortable in my own skin. The stomach did not match the rest of me. Right. And, you know, and I get back to that, get the topic of running. I can remember meeting a, a really, um, monumental personal record crossing a finish line for me for other people that would not be a big deal but for me it was a huge deal and the one thing I saw in that picture (laughs) under all of my running gear was this tummy skin and it simply didn't match so is it vain to go and chop off all of your skin because you hate it yeah it is and I don't care It, (laughs) it it made me feel better it made me feel more confident I have not had a single skin infection you know, any, any of the vanity pieces that I went into this surgery with, I admit they were all there. Um, but that's okay. You know, I feel like, I feel like it's a choice. I feel like it's a choice to some extent, like this is the choice I want to make because I'm going to feel better about all these other things. When you, when you did go in for your consult, did the plastic surgeon talk to you about diastasis did they say they were going to repair did you did you go in knowing they were going to repair your diastasis was that a conversation no so here's why covid uh, <laughs> covid hit and so my initial consultation was with what we're doing right now through a webcam okay. so she didn't have the opportunity to examine me for uh, several months, you know, because all of this took place. I do live in Vancouver, Washington. All of this took place at a hospital near my home. And once everything in Vancouver cleared up and hospitals, doctors were allowed to start seeing patients a little bit more. That's when she actually got to physically examine me. So in the consultation, she took one look at me and heard my story and she said, oh my gosh, you're just going to need a mini tummy tuck. We're just going to get rid of this skin. That's all we're going to do. And um, you don't even need, you're very fit. You do not need any muscle repair. So you're talking two very, very different surgeries. Um, Not that I had a mini tuck because I did not. I ended up having an extended tummy tuck. The second she got me in her office, she took one look at me and she goes, oh, nope you're going to be very unhappy with a mini tuck. And she, and she went through all of the reasons why. And I'm so grateful that she did that. So no exercise in physical therapy was not mentioned at that time. I probably think that it's because she's hearing this story from me of you work out like a monster. I mean, you're just, you know, wow. And it's still not working. And you've been doing this for 20 years, which is all true. Those are all true. But ironically, she is the person who told me about you <laughs> in the end, because in the end, I'm just saying, you know, confessing to her that I, I don't want to lose this. I am so petrified and paranoid that I feel so good right now. And I don't want to go back. What do I do? Please tell me what to do because doctors have kind of danced around the topic all of these years. And I don't know who to go to. I don't even know what exercises I'm allowed to do or, you know, but I might not really fit the mold of a lot of her clients, perhaps, because I don't think anyone's ever asked her that before. You know, I love to work out. What do I do? Can I still lift weights? Can I, you know, can I go back to my exercise class? Can I start running again? And she just had this very kind of solemn moment where she said, you know, my daughter recently had a baby. And she is 
doing this this tummy thing online with a physical therapist uh, from the Vancouver area, you know, and kind of said, I, I really encourage you to look this up. And she wrote down you know, the name of your your practice and and here we are now. <laughs> right. Yeah, I so love that. She, she said, you know, my daughter said that classes are online and she really feels like it's something she could just do at home that that she doesn't need to go to physical therapy or anything like that and and do it in person. And, and again, we're talking with all of the covid restrictions, mm-hmm. the reality of me getting in and seeing anybody probably were very slim just because of the, the way our world is right now. So I, I'm and so the reality. The reality is, is the average physical therapist, as you already know, doesn't know this stuff, right? It doesn't, doesn't, um, doesn't train clients this way. And so, um, so when she, let's go, let me ask you another question. Um, mm-hmm. I'm so glad that that doctor did share, you know, and, and the likelihood because of all the other stuff going on with the skin, she probably was still going to encourage you to do the tummy tuck. Um, like some, some doctors will have a client that they feel like they really don't want surgery and they'll give us, give them our information or they can tell that they need to do some, what we call prehab where they, they strengthen the muscles. They kind of get some connection so that the, the surgeries are far less extensive and, and, and stuff. So she knew that you needed some, some muscle work as well. Um, did she mention the term diastasis recti to you or did she just say she's going to repair, help repair your muscles? She did mention the term and she didn't mention as she was examining me before the surgery, she said, I can feel that your muscles are strong. What I can't feel is where the separation is starting. So Mm -hmm there was kind of some gray area there. And um, so she did absolutely repair that. I have zero, zero regrets on, on that. Um, Do I wish that I would have found you years ago? Obviously. Yes. Um, Would I encourage her to tell her clients about you before surgery? Yes, I would. (laughs) I just think, especially clients who have been pregnant in the past, I know that this happens to people who have never, had children, you know, I've heard cases of of children having the muscle separation. So yeah. you just never know. But I, I do wish I would have known about it sooner. Would it have stopped me from having the surgery? No, hands down. No, I had, I was eyeball deep into I'm done with this. And I want this to not be a part of my life anymore. And again, zero regrets with that. So you had the surgery and you noticed um, that a lot of those other symptoms improved, right? Like stopped. It yeah. just stopped. The pelvic floor. I thought, oh my gosh, well, maybe it's just because I, I kid you not when I say I tried so hard to not sneeze, cough, or laugh for, I didn't sneeze until three weeks after the surgery. I would just do anything to make the sneeze go away or make the cough go away, which is not super easy because when you've had a bunch of tubes down your throat for surgery, you need to cough. You have this deep need to clear the gunk from your throat. And I just refused to do it. I was not about to do anything that was going to hurt because everything hurt. Right. right. So coughing after surgery, after abdominal surgery hurts. And if you've had a C-section, you probably know all about that. But um, yeah, so I just worked really hard to not cough or sneeze. So with the urine, the bladder issue, I didn't realize, I guess I realized that I, I'm not leaking all the time. And I just thought, oh, it's probably, you know, just because I'm so clinched up all the time. You try to rationalize everything. And then, you know, when I did finally sneeze, it, I remember it vividly. I even made a little video about it for my friends to hear because I wanted them to know it wasn't as bad as I was told it was going to be. And I didn't leak. And I, it just was amazing to me. And then, you know, over time, I realized, you know, I've noticed when I laugh and, and cough and sneeze, I am not leaking. I'm not leaking all of the time anymore. I'm not leaking at all anymore. And, and she didn't do any pelvic floor reconstruction. This was just not. repairing your, your, your abdominal wall. Just um, repairing, pulling those abs back together. She is the one who told me, though, and this is another part. I don't remember if I wrote about this in my letter or not. She did tell me 
to hold off on bladder surgery. I had mentioned to her that before before I have this tummy tuck, because I was sold, I I didn't even talk to other doctors. This particular doctor was highly came highly recommended by a friend who had gone through reconstructive breast surgery after cancer, a couple of rounds of cancer. And I just knew this, this particular woman was the one I wanted. I wanted her expertise. She has been doing this for years and years. She was the one. Zero regrets there. Um, she is the one who said, hold off on the bladder surgery. And again, I had told her, you know, I need to wait for the tummy tuck until I, I want to do the bladder surgery because I don't want to sit around leaking bladder or leaking urine the whole time I'm recovering. You know, this has gotten really, really bad and and it needs to be taken care of first. And she said, hold off on that because there has been a lot of research and I have had clients who say, you know, this either clears up significantly or altogether. So, and I definitely... I'm one of those people. And I've talked to many other people who have gone through with the surgery where this, you know, this did not happen for them. And I, I feel really sad for them that that didn't, didn't help. I'm grateful that it did help me, but. Well, knowing, knowing what you kind of know now through the, the core foundations course, you can see the connection between the core and the pelvic floor, um, you sure. know, coordination and, and a lot of your pelvic floor issues, this is not the case for everybody, but a lot of your pelvic floor issues were functional pelvic floor weakness issues as that were a result of your core um, not stabilizing and holding your organs where they needed to be. Um, and, and it's interest and probably that collapsed posture. And, you know, a lot of our clients, um, a lot of our clients resolve their pelvic floor issues um, with just the core rehab, you know, and so it is connected when you, you, you had this surgery, you, you felt um, like so grateful. And like you said, you started to kind of get afraid that <laughs> this, might, this might turn back. And honestly, if you've done any research, you know that there are people that get tummy tucks that within 10 years, their tummy looks the same as it did before. Maybe not all the excessive skin, right. but Right. And so I'm sure, you know, you sound like somebody that's done your research. So I'm sure you're like, okay, that's that I, that's not going to happen to me. What right. do I need to do? And you knew that working harder, running more, eating better was not was not just it. And so solve the problem. So she no. sent you the tummy team and you went to our website and and there was a sale. And that just, it was just like hook, line, and sinker, sign me up. That is amazing. So I did. I purchased the program and yeah, I did not, like no exaggeration. I am not trying to give anyone a sales pitch for surgery or for your website, but um, I, I highly recommend both. <laughs> but, um, I watched your first video. So the educational pieces and then the first video where you're talking about the breathing. The second I did that, I could feel my lower abdominals just tighten up like that. And I knew, I was like, oh my gosh, my husband was sitting in the same room with me, sitting in his chair. And I said, you have to stop reading what you're reading. Check this out. What (laughs) do? And so he tried it and it was the look on his face. He said, oh my gosh, you're right. You are complete. And I said, that is what I felt when she went in and zipped those muscles back up for me. I walked out of that surgery feeling like that all the time. I don't want to lose that. And I just right. said, I, I have to watch more videos. And then and then the videos just stopped because you make us watch the one week at a time. But it just made me, you know, I was very diligently watching. You would have you would have jumped ahead, right? I'm you would have jumped ahead if I you would have jumped ahead oh if my gosh. I gave what I do. I am a jumper aheader. It's just, I dive into my research. I'm a doctoral student. That's just what I do. I research and research and research everything to death. And, and I totally would have done that with you. But in the meantime, I was kind of feeding the need for more research by, okay, she's talking about tummy safe exercise. Clearly that's what I need. I don't want to, you know, I don't know that everyone knows, but when you have a tummy tuck and there's muscle repair involved, they're literally stitching your abdominal muscles back together there. And the stitches stay there. 
forever. They're just there. So I am full of stitches on the inside and I don't want to pop those stitches. I, I do not want to go back. So I just think to myself, oh my gosh, these, not only could these exercises, you know, possibly save that situation if something were to happen to these sutures, you know, but I'm, if I follow through these exercises, I'll never feel like I did before. And and it's just been so true. So I was hopping on YouTube and watching more of your videos and thank goodness for those. And, you know, finding other videos on tummy safe exercises and easing into it because my doctor just really, that surgeon really drilled it into my head. You need to, you know, I know your personality type and you will hammer it out and I don't want you to do that. And so I have followed everybody. It seems too simple in the beginning, right? It seems too simple in the beginning. Everybody says that. But then when you start doing it, there's like you had that instant connection. Not everybody, a lot of people have a connection to the education right away. They're like, yes, this is exactly what the information I needed. But Mm -hmm. they're so disconnected from their muscles that it takes a little while for their muscles. A lot of people will say it's at week two or week three where they're like, oh my gosh, now I really feel it. But you felt it right away, which is awesome. And and because you're working from home, those initial things were all about your sitting posture, all about, you know, your your daily routine, things that are very practical, um, mm-hmm. but also you could do like and and hopefully it sounds like it totally set your your mind at ease. Um, like, oh, I have a plan. Oh, absolutely. Right. And so you're mentioning, you know, that connectedness with the muscle. And I can honestly tell you with all of the exercise I've done in the past, even with that background, I would not have felt it. Can, I wouldn't have felt that that very first day had it not been for this surgery. It's only because I was already zipped back up. Those muscles. It's almost were like already- you already had a splint on, right? Yes. You had an internal splint on, which is sometimes when I have clients that can't feel it, I splint them. And then I say, I want you to take an exhale and draw away from the splint. And yes. then they're like, Ooh, that's the feeling. But you have, and, and when I see people in the clinic or when I would see people in the clinic, one of the things I do is they're laying on their back and I wrap my hands around their torso and kind of pull the two sides together and they, their eyes light up. They're like, that's, that's the thing I'm missing. Like I, they couldn't put their finger on what was missing until I give it back. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of giving that connection, but that's what your surgery did for you. It kind of pulled everything together already. If you went on about your life, went back to working out the way you used to and were continued to be disconnected, like, um, you know, with the brain body connection from your core, I have no doubt that you would have used the wrong strategies and probably damaged the, the surgical procedure. So I feel the same way. Yeah. So, so, and, and this is why we actually have, uh, uh, preparing for abdominal surgery course, because um, some of those things people do need to know going in, connecting to muscles, and then need to know coming out immediately after, um, because you do have to cough right after, and you do have to have a bowel movement right after, and you do need to get up out of the bed when you have this incision, and you do need to do these things. And so we give you those strategies right before. So that would have been obviously a great thing. That would have been so helpful. Really helpful. Really yeah. Worked. Yeah. But but you did you did the core foundations and we start slowly building you into fitness and we start releasing mm-hmm. some of your compensation patterns and we start working on all of these things, right? What um were you is it sounds like you weren't, but were you skeptical or hesitant at all about doing it online? Not doing it online. No. Um, Part of that is I've been to physical therapy um, many, many times over the years, usually running related. So I, I was already comfortable with getting information from a PT and taking that home and following through with the work. Um, I, I know a lot of people take the information and then don't actually do the work. I do. And and so I was comfortable with that. I'm extremely comfortable with an online format. I am I am a teacher and I also teach online. So that part was about that at all. It just was the information when she said, here's this physical therapist. Um, 
she can help you. And I just thought in my head, no, she can't. She can't. <laughs> I do you have any clue how many times I've been to physical therapy over the years? Do you have any idea how many doctors have told me, oh, you need surgery for this, or you know, that's the only fix? And you know, she she was not a person that told me that. She didn't say this is your only option, but she knew that I was going to have the surgery anyway. I made that very, very clear. Um, she told me what I would not be happy with. And she she did not steer me wrong in any way, shape, or form. So I because she was so just honest with me about everything. And she had built such a great relationship, you know, with her client, me. I followed through with signing up for the classes. And again, it was that moment of that first shh, that first breath. And I thought, oh my gosh, this lady actually knows what she's talking about. I <laughs> I feel that. And, and other people need to know, they need to know exactly where to feel it. Like I'm going to write her a letter. I'm going to connect with her on Instagram and tell her, this is where I feel this muscle. And like, I was just so passionate about the fact that before my surgery, I had no clue with as much exercise with as fit as I was, I did not have a clue where, where to feel what I needed to feel, which probably makes absolutely no sense. But hear me out on this. I'm also one of those people where if I am in an exercise class and the instructor is being very explicit, saying, this is how you're going to do your squat. You should be, you should have most of your weight on your heels right now. Without that, those little details, I would be the one on the balls of my feet and my butt wouldn't be out enough. And, you know, I would feel like I'm about to tip over. So it's just so critical that while you are making these videos, you are being so explicit with your instruction. And that's why it's for people like me that don't know where to feel it. I've, if I've never done this before, or if I've been so disconnected for 20 plus years, you know, gosh, that was 23. I'm going on 24 years ago, I guess, when I was pregnant for the first time. It's been that long since I've had abs that were not destroyed by pregnancy. So that's a long time to not feel well, the feeling. I think what you said is important because I think a lot of people, what they hesitate about, I think right now everybody's a little bit more open to online than they ever have been, which is great because like we said, there's not a lot of specialists that do what I do and our online programs allow us to work with clients around the world. Um, but I think that with pelvic floor and with this deep core muscle, um, the transverse abdominis, what people are most concerned about is I can't feel it when I work with the trainer. I can't feel it when I do this exercise video. I can't, I've seen five PTs and they can't get me to feel it. How is this online person going to get me to feel it? And, um, and I just, I, I, I feel like, I spend a lot of time on analogies and on, on feedback and, and visualization and giving strategies. And because I've been doing this for so long, even in the clinic, what I do with the person in a session is not going to be nearly as much as what they do when they leave my office. So I need to know that they can reproduce this in their body, this feeling, this connection, this coordination, and then implementing it in functional ways. I need to know that as they walk out the door. So that's just, that's just my gift. I mean, I can, I can help them get, feel that and figure that out. Um, and I know that most of the clients are going to come in disconnected from a history mm -hmm. of trauma, from a history of discouragement, from literally just hating their stomach. Um, and, and that hate of their stomach leads to a disconnect and and I I I address all of those things and more um in the in the course, right? It's pretty it's pretty comprehensive but completely doable. Oh absolutely. Absolutely. And you know I think the the point is is if you don't like something, change it. And this is just the best step to take to change it is just do this. I wish that I would have had this information 22 plus years ago. That would have been fabulous, but I didn't. Right. And I, right. I followed through with what they told me to do. What did they tell me to do? Hit the gym next time, honey. I did that. I hit the gym. I lost the weight. Um, you know, the other bit of information I was given was, well, if you don't 
close that gap back up, it will fill with fat. And oh. like, oh my goodness. So then, you know, we'll find, I'll, I'll lose the weight. I'll, I'll do this. What do I need to do? But never getting proper information. Yeah. Never really being told. And never really even being encouraged. All of those, all of the things that you were told to do were so um, detrimental and discouraging for somebody that has two young children that's working really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to take a moment. We're we're gonna we're gonna be almost done here, but I do want to take a moment to specifically talk about the taboo of tummy tucks and to clarify things for my listeners that maybe people make an assumption because a lot of the work we do is to help people avoid surgery. And I did go in, I was told plastic surgery was the only option for me. I had a very negative experience with a plastic surgeon consult because my, I did definitely have some belly fat and some skin issues, but my biggest concern was my body didn't feel right. And I I felt from a medical standpoint I was missing a lot of pieces. And this particular plastic surgeon was just about, let's suck out the fat, let's zip up the thing here. It's $10,000, you know, and I felt just like so unheard and unsupported and ugly when I left. I was so, I cried the whole way home um, because I was not looking I only went to the plastic surgeon because I was told that was my only option, not because I wanted that option. Um, so my big thing is, and, and diastasis for a lot of people is healed without a surgery. That does not mean that if somebody chooses to do a surgery, that there aren't ways that I want to support them. I just want it to be your choice. Mm-hmm. Right. I want it to be your choice um, and and not feeling like you had no other choices um, and your situation. I You did such a great job of explaining what made you get to that decision. And I think it was that's a beautiful way to explain what where you were at. But have you really I'm sure have you struggled with that that taboo, that feeling like you cheated the system if you got a tummy tuck? Um, there are people who think that there are people who think this is weight loss surgery, which is just bizarre to me. I think that's just, that's part of the, the weird taboo of it is how in the world would you think this is weight? Yes, I did lose five pounds of skin and fat that they, you know, mostly skin and, and that alone, that is an enormous amount of skin to have removed from your body. If that tells you anything of, (laughs) of how much was hanging off my body and, um, yeah, people have an interesting reaction to it because I'm very open about it. I've got friends who have had this surgery and I literally didn't know that they ever had anything done until I was getting ready to go into mine and very loudly announced to the world on Instagram, hey, everybody, I'm having a tummy tuck, you know, three days and counting. And people were sending me messages saying, oh my gosh, I had that done 12 years ago. And, um, but I just didn't tell anybody. And so already there was that, you know, hush, don't tell anybody, don't tell anyone you're doing. And I was just like, why in the world would you not scream off the rooftops that, you know, I'm taking care of something that's needed to be done for a long time. It's I'm, I'm fixing what's broken. And I'm so proud, so proud of the fact that number one, I saved $12,000 to have this surgery. Number two, I found the best surgeon in the world to have the surgery with. Number three, I I am being proactive for myself for a change. And even though all of the steps along the way, you know, in my mind, that's what I was trying to do. It never fixed the problem. And I'm stepping up to the plate and fixing the problem. I did not care that everyone considers this cosmetic surgery. I consider this rehab surgery. This is, this was literally putting my body back together and And I didn't even realize that until it was all said and done. I went into this thinking, oh my gosh, I am. And I literally said in a video, I am going to run down the street now and not feel my belly skin flapping in the breeze. And and I meant that with, with every ounce of my being. I was so excited to be able to have this part of my body that didn't match the rest of me finally match. Yeah. And I, I walked out of there. I can remember waking up from surgery and even though I was very loopy and very drugged up and 
and still they they give you a lot of local um, anesthesia mm-hmm. when you're when you're undergoing this process. And so I was very numb, but I could already feel you know, zipped back up. And I just remember telling my husband, oh my gosh, I feel like Humpty Dumpty. They put me back together again. And then I just started laughing like a crazy person because I was, you know, super drugged up. But um, I still, I still feel that way. I feel like Humpty Dumpty. They just put me back together though. (laughs) Well, I am, I'm so glad that, that we had the chance to share your story. I think it's a story that needed to be heard. And um, it is a great story. And I'm glad that I was able to be a part of it and that you found us and that, um, you know, we're going to we're going to work on um, plastic surgeons just and any kind of abdominal surgery physician uh, mm-hmm. knowing how we can support them and support their clients to have good outcomes and good long term um, you know, outcomes as well. And I'm so glad that your doctor had the courage to just share that with you and that you got to believe she felt my concern and, and she knew that I'd worked hard for this and I truly didn't want to lose it. And I, I just adore her for stepping up to the plate and, and it kind of admitting that, you know, surgery is not the only way to do this. There are people out there who can help you. And, and you did just that. I mean, right down to the office I'm sitting in right now, about a month ago, my husband and I took my entire office apart and put it back together in a way that could support my posture because I do sit here all day long. I mean, I'm sitting here with a, a you know, a special footrest to pump my knees up so that I'm not in a terrible posture all day long. And all of the things we, I really tried to implement all of the pieces of the puzzle that you share in your videos. And it's just critical information for people. And, and, you know, I was that mom, I was that nursing mom at one time with the slouched over, you know, doing all of those things. And to some degree, just because of the nature of my job as a, as an early childhood educator, I have kind of permanently always be in that position because I just work with such, you know, tiny humans, but that's the nature of the beast. And if you can find a way to accommodate your job in any way possible, do it. And, you know broken put yourself back together and and your tummy team is amazing at at giving that information and and doing it in a way that you you know what you're supposed to be doing yeah and it just gets better so yay good all right well thank you so much heather this has been a great conversation we probably could talk for another hour or so but (laughs) our lives right um So anyway, thank you so much for sharing. We're going to share some um, additional notes um, in the podcast um, notes section. So look for that, everyone. And thank you guys for joining us this week. And we'll see you next time. Be well wherever you are. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today at the Tummy Team Journey Podcast. The Tummy Team is committed to validating your story, providing you with relevant practical education to understand your body, and offering effective solutions to live the life you were meant to live. Check out thetummyteam.com to get more information about how we can help you specifically and see if one of our online programs is right for you. You can also follow The Tummy Team on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube to get tips, encouragement, and support.